Amen. All the kids can be dismissed at this time. I want to invite you to open your Bibles with me today to the book of Ezekiel, chapter 1. How many of you received an outline? It says special angels. We are continuing a series we have been on for a little while. Last week I continued on with special angels and got through down through number 2, letter F. And I went ahead and filled in for you all the blanks if those of you... Uh, did not receive any notes. Those are filled in for you. Those of you joining us online, thank you for being with us today. I believe that it'll be good that you were in the house of the Lord and visited us whenever you do join in or tune in. Um, As I take you through the remainder of the special angels today, I want you to understand again that God's angels are all around. I want to remind you that what we're, what we're learning about today, even though this is great education, I want it to also be something that is more than just education. I want it to be something that we actually are aware of and that we see that God has not left us alone. He sends forth His angels, the Bible says, to assist to render service to those who will be heirs of salvation. That's, that's me. That's you. Say, that's me. And as I've shown you, the hosts of the Lord, angels of the angel of the Lord, we looked last week at archangels. We looked at Michael, the chief angel. And we looked at cherubim, how they guarded the Garden of Eden. They are woven into the veil curtain, the, the curtain that separated the holy of, and the holy of holies. They're in the curtains. They were in the woodwork, literally, of the temple. And um, I want you to see in the book of Ezekiel, because we did not have time to go there last week, I want to take you through several scriptures. This is going to be scripture intensive, as you can see here. But we're going to look at Ezekiel chapter 1, and you can just follow along there. Make a note, to change the note just a little bit. It says Ezekiel 1, 5 through 28. We're going to actually back up a few verses, and we're going to go to Ezekiel 1, verses 3 through 28. So if you can uh, make that adjustment. The Bible says this. Well, before I say this, I just want you to kind of understand, later in Israel's history, they are taken captive by Babylonian captivity, Nebuchadnezzar, Daniel, and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, all of those those great stories of the Bible were taking place. And as those things were taking place, God was speaking to His prophets, and one of those prophets was Ezekiel. And in this speaking to Ezekiel, God gives him a vision of God and of cherubim. And I want you to see how he explains them in this passage of Scripture. Ezekiel 1, beginning with verse 3, the Bible says, The word of the Lord came expressly to Ezekiel the priest, son of Buzi, in the land of the Chaldeans by the river Kibar. And there the hand of the Lord came upon him. And as I looked, behold, a storm wind was coming from the north, a great cloud, 
with fire flashing forth continually and a bright light around it, and in its midst something like glowing metal in the midst of the fire. And within it there were figures resembling four living beings, and this was their appearance. They had human form. That is why when people would see angels, they thought they were a man. Each of them had four faces. Well, that's where they differ. And four wings. And their legs were straight, and their feet were like a calf's hoof. And they gleamed like burnished bronze. And under their wings on their four sides were human hands. And as for the faces and wings, as for the faces and wings of the four of them, their wings touched one another. Their faces did not turn when they moved. Each went straight forward. As for the form of their faces, each had the face of a man. All four had the face of a lion on the right, the face of a bull on the left, and all four had the face of an eagle. Such were their faces. Isn't that interesting? God created them. Now watch this. Their wings were spread out above. Each had two touching another being and two covering their bodies. And each went straight forward. Wherever the Spirit was about to go, they would go without turning as they went. Well, that's some good news. Angels obey God. They don't turn to the right or to the left. They don't back up. They don't let anything hinder them. They just do what God says to do. And in the midst of the living beings, there was something that looked like burning coals of fire, like torches darting back and forth among the living beings. And the fire was bright, and lightning was flashing from the fire, and the living beings ran to and fro like bolts of lightning. If you wonder if an angel is fast... Oh, yeah. Now, as I looked at the living beings, behold, there was one wheel on the earth beside the living beings for each of the four of them. The appearance of the wheels and their workmanship was like sparkling barrel. That's a precious metal, precious stone, rather. And all four of them had the same form, their appearance and workmanship being as if one wheel were within another. And whenever they moved, they moved in any of their four directions without turning as they moved. As for their rims, they were lofty and awesome. And the rims of all four of them were full of eyes round about. Now, if you think God cares about the rims, God cares what kind of rims you have, listen, he took care of his angels. Just thought I'd tell you that. The rims were lofty and awesome. The rims of all four of them were full of eyes round about. And whenever the living beings moved, the wheels moved with them. And whenever the living beings rose from the earth, the wheels rose also. Wherever the Spirit was about to go, they would go in that direction. And the wheels rose close beside them, for the Spirit of the living beings was in the wheels. And whenever those went, these went. And whenever those stood still, these stood still. And whenever those rose from the earth, the wheels rose close beside them, for the Spirit of the living beings was in the wheels. 
Now, over the heads of the living beings, there was something like an expanse, like the awesome gleam of crystal extended over their heads, and under the expanse of their wings were stretched out straight, one toward the other. Each one also had two wings covering their bodies on one side and on the other. I also heard the sound of their wings like the sound of abundant waters as they went, like the voice of the Almighty, a sound of tumult like the sound of an army camp. Whenever they stood still, they dropped their wings." So that's the kind of noise that just the wings made. Now, above the expanse there was over their heads, there was something resembling a throne, like lapis lazuli in appearance, and on that, which resembled a throne, high up was a figure with the appearance of a man. What does God look like? What do we look like? We were created in the image of God. Then I noticed from the appearance of his loins, capital H, and upward something like glowing metal that looked like fire all around within it. And from the appearance of his loins and downward, I saw something like fire, and there was a radiance around him as the appearance of the rainbow in the clouds on a rainy day. So was the appearance of the surrounding radiance. So was the appearance of the likeness of the glory of God. And when I saw it, I fell on my face, and I heard a voice speaking. Well, we could just camp out right there for a little while. But we're not. We're going to go on. Ezekiel chapter 8, there's more to go. Look at verses 1 through 4. He speaks again. It came about then in the sixth year, on the fifth day of the sixth month, as I was sitting in my house with the elders of Judah sitting before me, just minding his own business, the hand of the Lord fell on him. And then I looked, and behold, a likeness as the appearance of a man. From his loins and downward, there was the appearance of fire. And from his loins and upward, the appearance of brightness, like the appearance of glowing metal. And he stretched out the form of a hand and caught me by a lock of my head. And the Spirit lifted me up between earth and heaven and brought me in the visions of God to Jerusalem, to the entrance of the north gate of the inner court, where the seat of the idol of jealousy, which provokes to jealousy, was located. And behold, the glory of the God of Israel was there like the appearance which I saw in the plain. Now slip over to chapter 10. By the way, Ezekiel's my second favorite prophet. Then I looked and beheld in the expense that expanse that was over the heads of the cherubim. We're talking, still talking of cherubs. Something like a sapphire stone in appearance resembling a throne appeared above them. And he spoke to the man clothed in linen and said, Enter between the whirling wheels under the cherubim and fill your hands with coals of fire from between the cherubim and scattered them over the city. And he entered in my sight. Now the cherubim were standing on the right side of the temple when the man entered and the cloud filled the inner court. That's the glory of the Lord. Verse 4 says, Then the glory of the Lord went up from the cherub to the threshold of the temple, and the temple was filled with the cloud, and the court was filled with the brightness of the glory of the Lord. Moreover, the sound of the wings of the cherubim was heard as far as the outer court, like the voice of God Almighty when He speaks. And it came about when He commanded the man clothed in linen, saying, Take fire from between the whirling wheels from between the cherubim. He entered and stood beside a wheel. Then the cherub stretched out his hand from between the cherubim to the fire, which was between the cherubim, took some and put it into the hands of the one clothed in linen who took it and went out. And the cherubim appeared to have the form of a man's hand under their wings. Then I looked and behold four wheels beside the cherubim, one wheel beside each cherub, and the appearance of the wheels was like the gleam of a Tarshish stone, which is most likely beryl. 
And as for the appearance, all four of them had the same likeness as if one wheel were within another wheel. Kind of sounds familiar, doesn't it? When they moved, they went in any of their four directions without turning as they went, but they followed in the direction which they faced without turning as they went. So that means if they're looking this way and they're moving this way, they're still looking this way. And their whole body, their backs, their hands, their wings, and the wheels were full of eyes all around, the wheels belonging to all four of them. And the wheels were called, in my hearing, the whirling wheels. And each one had four faces. The first was the face of a cherub. The second face was the face of a man. The third, the face of a lion. And the fourth, the face of an eagle. And the cherubim rose up. They're living, they are the living beings that I saw by the river Kibar. Now when the cherubim moved, the wheels would go beside them. Also when the cherubim lifted up their wings to rise from the ground, the wheels would not turn from beside them. When the cherubim stood still, the wheels would stand still. And when they rose up, the wheels would rise with them, for the spirit of living beings was in them. Then the glory of the Lord departed from the threshold of the temple and stood over the cherubim. And when the cherubim departed, they lifted their wings and rose up from the earth in my sight with the wheels beside them. And they stood still at the entrance of the east gate of the Lord's house, and the glory of the God of Israel hovered over them. These are the living beings that I saw beneath the God of Israel by the river Kibar. So I knew that they were cherubim. If you ever wanted a description of cherubim, they're unique. Now, I'm not going to go in far, far detail, but I want you to notice something on letter H. There is another angel that you know, but you know him under a different name, and he's known as Lucifer. Satan. The dragon. I'm going to go into more detail on him later, but I want you to know there's your fill in the blank. Lucifer was an anointed cherub. And if you continue to read in Ezekiel chapter 28, you will find that he even, and, and also in the book of Isaiah, I believe it's chapter 14, the Bible talks about how within him his instruments were built. Have you ever wondered how the devil can influence music like he does? Well, he led worship in heaven. I fully believe he's an archangel who was over worship. That's why, that's why he's, he's the, the king of evil because there's no other angel in his realm that is like him. In fact, when angel Michael, the chief of the angels, argued about the body of Moses, he did not dare to cast a railing accusation against him. But the Bible says that Michael said, the Lord rebuke you. So Lucifer was an anointed cherub. Look at this in Ezekiel chapter 28 and verse 14. You are the anointed cherub who covers. When he led worship, he was literally covering the throne of God. And I placed you there. You were on the holy mountain of God. You walked in the midst of the stones of fire. Can you imagine walking with God and then rebelling against Him? How many people have you seen walk with God and then leave Him? See, there are things in this world we don't fully comprehend, but God does. As Ezekiel sees these things, he doesn't fully comprehend them, but he sees what he sees, and it's like, that's what cherubim look like. 
Now, I can't explain it all. Why do they have four faces? I don't know. There's four north, south, east, and west. Maybe they're looking in a different, maybe it's a different uh, approach to the different directions. But I do know this, that God is seeing everything that's going on in the earth. He knows what's going on in the White House, and he knows what's going on in your house. He knows what's going on in our nation, and he knows what's going on in Israel. Everybody say, those are cherubim. Now let's go to the book of Isaiah. Chapter 6. The next fill in the blank is seraphim. Seraphim. S E R A P H I M. Isaiah the prophet says that in the year of King Uzziah's death, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne lofty and exalted with the train of his robe filling the temple. Here it is. Seraphim stood above him. Now, each of them have six wings. With two, they cover their face. With two, they cover their feet. And with the other two, they fly. And one called out to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth, everybody say every bit of it, is full of His glory. And as soon as the glory of God filled the temple, the Bible said the foundations of the thresholds trembled at the voice of Him who called out while the temple was filling with smoke. What happened when Jesus died on the cross? The veil of the temple was torn in two, and there was an earthquake. When God's in the house, it's not quiet. Now, here is a man of God. Here is a prophet of God speaking the words of God, and watch how he responds. And I said, woe is me. Well, Isaiah, why would you say that? Because down deep I know myself. He says, I am a man. I'm ruined because I am a man of unclean lips. And I live among a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the king the Lord of hosts. And then one of the seraphim flew to me with a burning coal in his hands, which he had taken from the altar with tongs. He took it away with tongs, but he held it in his hand. And he touched my mouth with it. And this seraphim speaks to him and says, Behold, this has touched your lips, and your iniquity is taken away, and your sin is forgiven. Church, how awesome is it when God comes and takes your sin away? And the things you used to say you don't say anymore. The curses you used to use turn now into blessings. The words that you now speak are now anointed of God.
Seraphim, these are the only, they're only mentioned in the vision of Isaiah, but their description proves that they are angelic creatures. In the year that King Uzziah dies, he sees the Lord upon his throne. And the glory is filling the temple. Church, listen to me. Where these angels are, the glory is there. That's why, that's why when the men in the Word of God, in the Bible, would see an angel, they'd fall on their face. The burning bronze, the, the fire, the glory, the glow, all of that, it's the glory of God. And the Bible says that when the glory would fill the temple, that they would fall on their face. In fact, when the temple was dedicated, the Bible says that they fell on their face because they couldn't stand because of the glory was in the room. That's why in great revivals, you will find many people fall out under the power of God. And in the beginning, people didn't know what was going on. When John Wesley would preach, he would preach sometimes to 40,000 people without a microphone. And the power of God would begin to move. And as the power of God began to move, it was like a machine gun was just shooting people down. And there was at one point in one service, there was a woman who was literally, she just fell out. Right in front of him, they're like, well, what happened? He said, I don't know. Church, can I tell you what? Preachers don't know everything. Ezekiel doesn't know everything. Isaiah didn't know everything. Listen, you can't comprehend and totally understand everything that, that there is about God, and that is why he deserves our total worship. He says, my eyes have seen the king of glory. Woe is me. I'm a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. But church, let me tell you something. There's a remedy for it. If you don't like what's coming in your mouth, get before God. Can I announce to you today that there is no, there is no magic Word, there is no quick fix to getting rid of the, the works of the flesh. It's as you spend more time in the presence of God, He gives more of His time to you. Listen to this. This is what the Bible says. They that diligently seek me will find me. Have you ever asked one of your kids to clean the dishes and they did? And then you went and reached in for the spoons and the bowls and all of a sudden there's like, what is that green stuff? Looks like, looks like lettuce from two weeks ago. They cleaned it, but they weren't diligent. Spoon looks like it's got leftover malta meal on it. Am I making you hungry yet? Malta meal and lettuce. Sounds good. What's the problem? They weren't diligent. Well, Pastor, I pray. Yeah, but were you diligent? Were you as diligent about that as you are about doing your job at work? Were you as diligent about that as you are about eating your meal? Were you as diligent about that as you are about watching your favorite program? Now, don't, don't, you know, don't take offense. Just buckle your belt. Amen? I'll say, well, 
I remember sometimes folks will say, man, you got to stepping on my toes. We'll just put on some steel toads. You'll be okay. It'll be okay. Listen, the Word of God will comfort you when you're afflicted, but the Word of God will also afflict you when you're comfortable. And I'm telling you what, America right now, it needs some affliction. It needs some affliction of the Word of God to get us out of a comfort zone where we are thinking we're on our own, we're powerful, we're all this. Listen, we're nothing without God. We need Jesus today more than we've ever needed Him before. Well, i got to keep it rolling here. You getting something out of this? Turn to the book of Revelation, if you will. I want to end with these last creatures. John describes a scene in heaven, and it's with awe-inspiring imagery. Now, I'm not going to read every single verse here, but, well, we're going to just read what we can. And, but I want you to see here something, fill in the blank, is living creatures is how the Bible refers to them. Living creatures. Revelation chapter 4 verse 2 says, Immediately I was in the Spirit, and behold, a throne was standing in heaven, and one sitting on the throne. Kind of sounds like Isaiah. Kind of sounds like Ezekiel. Kind of sounds like there must be a throne in heaven with somebody sitting on it. And we all know that's God. And he who was sitting was like a jasper stone and a sardius in appearance, and there was a rainbow around the throne like an emerald in appearance. Hold on just a second. A rainbow? Well, we need to talk about that in 2023. When you see a rainbow, it doesn't mean what the world wants you to think a rainbow means. A rainbow means God said, I will not judge the earth like I used to. I will never throw another flood on it like I did before. And to show you that, I'm going to put a sign in the heavens that it will never happen again. And there's a rainbow over God. And around the throne were 24 thrones, and upon the thrones I saw 24 elders sitting clothed in white garments and golden crowns on their heads, and from the throne proceed flashes of lightning and sounds and peals of thunder. And there were seven lamps of fire burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. And before the throne there was, as if it were, a sea of glass like crystal, and in the center and around the throne four living creatures full of eyes in front, and behind, and the first creature is like a lion, the second creature like a calf, the third had the face of a man, and the fourth creature was like a flying eagle. Sounds like we've heard about them somewhere. And the four living creatures, each one of them having six wings, are full of eyes around and within, and day and night they do not cease to say, what? Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God, the Almighty, who was and who is and who is to come. Chapter 5. Verses, verses uh, 2 through 14. Now, some of these I don't have all the Scriptures for, but if, I don't, if they're not up there, just, just listen to it. And I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the book and to break its seals? And we know that Jesus steps forward. Now, I want you to go down to verse 8. And when he had taken the book, meaning Jesus, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the Lamb, having each one a harp 
and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. Now, back in chapter 4, I'm going to start giving you some fill-in-the-blanks here. One of the things that these living creatures do, number one is letter A, they call attention to God's holiness. We saw it in Isaiah. We see it in Revelation. Can I announce to you today that the world needs to be reminded of His holiness? And I want to tell you something. When people are confronted with that, that's going to be the only important thing for their day. Is to know, am I walking with a holy God? Is there anything about me that is unholy? And God, if there is, get it out of me. Like, like Isaiah, I'm a man of unclean lips. Lord, remove it from me. You know me. I know me. Take it out of me. Man, it's time for God to get out of us what doesn't belong in us, to get out of the church what doesn't belong in the church. Listen to me, church. I want to tell you something about, you know, I get it. I get it. You don't want to make a church where it's not okay to visit. But listen, a church, by definition, is not seeker friendly. It's sinner deadly. Because when we come to God, the Bible says in Isaiah 59 and verse 2 that it is our sin that separates us from God. But God doesn't want to be separate from us. And, and, and we can give, we can, preachers can preach comfy, go to bed, warm, fuzzy messages all day long and never change you, never get you changed, never bring you to a point of, of conviction, never bring you to a point where your life is challenged and yet that's what God wants to do, not because he doesn't love us, but because he is a holy God and there is no sin in his presence. And if there is sin in his presence, it keeps us from him. And he wants to be just like that so seraphim and bring the, the, the forgiveness to us and wipe our sin away. But church, listen, in order for that to happen, you've got to call sin what it is. You can't go to bed with it. You can't live for God and live with it. Something is going to die. It's either your relationship with God or the sin. Is everybody clear? So they call attention to God's holiness. And in chapter 5 and verse 8, the Bible says that they, they fall down. In worship, they fall prostrate. In fact, in chapter 19, I'm going to go there real fast and read verses 1 through 4. Again, some of these I don't have up there for you, but they're there on your outline. After these things, he said, I heard and it were, as it were a loud voice of a great multitude in heaven saying, Hallelujah, salvation and glory and power belong to our God because his judgments are true and righteous. For he has judged the great harlot who was corrupting the earth with her immorality. He's avenged the blood of her, his bondservants on her. And a second time they said, Hallelujah. 
Her smoke rises up forever and ever, and the 24 elders and the four living creatures fell down and worshiped God who sits on the throne, saying, Amen, Hallelujah. Here we have humans and angels falling down and praising God at the same time. So they fall prostrate in worship. Chapter 5 and verse 8 said that they sing, that those angels played harps. That doesn't mean that when you die, you become an angel and get a harp in your own cloud. as much as Bugs Bunny wanted to teach us that. The Bible says also in Revelation 5 and verse 8 that they offer the prayers, fill that in, the prayers of the saints to God. Do you know that your prayers are even closely tied to angelic activity? The Bible says that when Daniel set his heart to pray for his nation, the Bible says that the, the archangel Gabriel was sent at the very moment he began to pray, but there was the prince of the Persia. There was, the, the, there was spiritual warfare going on. You sometimes wonder, well, why, why isn't my prayer being answered? Because the devil didn't want it answered, and he's going to make sure there's doing anything he can do to, to, to get that away. But you keep on praying. You keep on believing. You keep on fasting. You keep on and keep on and keep on. Because had Daniel stopped on day one, Gabriel wouldn't have shown up on day 22. Three weeks he was praying. But he said, on the first day that you set your heart to pray, I was sent. So see, there is some connection between our prayers and angelic activity. Go to the book of Revelation chapter 6. And I, I'm, I'm, I'm starting to wind it down and attaching the caboose here. Look at chapter 6. Look at verse 1. You've all probably heard about the four writers of the apocalypse. Do you know there's angels that actually call them forth? Watch this. Chapter 6, verse 1. And I saw when the Lamb broke one of the seals, and I heard one of the four living creatures saying, as with a voice of thunder, one of the four living creatures said, Come. And I looked, and behold, a white horse, and he who sat on it had a bow. And a crown was given to him, and he went out conquering and to conquer. Why did that horseman come? The angel called him forth. Look at chapter uh, verse 3. And when he broke the second seal, I heard the second living creature saying, how many we got? Four living creatures. Second living creature says, come. And another horse went out, and to him who sat on it, it was granted to take peace from the earth. And that men should slay one another, and a great sword was given to him. And when he broke the third seal, I heard the third living creature saying, Come. And I looked, and behold, a black horse. And he who sat on it had a pair of scales in his hand. And I heard, as it were, a voice in the center of the four living creatures saying, A quart of wheat for a denarius, and three quarts of barley for a denarius, and do not harm the oil and wine. And when he broke the fourth seal, I heard the voice of the fourth living creature saying the same thing. Come, And I looked, and behold, an ashen horse, and he who sat on it had the name Death, and Hades was following with him, and authority was given to them over a fourth of the earth to kill with sword and famine and pestilence and the wild beasts of the earth. Angels are involved in judgment. These four living creatures... Same ones that are on their face worshiping God, giving Him praise, are also His agents to do His work when it comes to judgment. Number 
Letter F, they listen to the worship of others. Listen to this. This is amazing. Watch chapter 14, verse 3. These are when the 144,000 began to sing a new song. The Bible says they sing a new song, verse 3, Revelation 14, before the throne and before the four living creatures and the elders, and no one could learn the song except the 144,000 who'd been purchased from the earth. You know what that means? Four living creatures didn't know the song. Elders in heaven didn't know the song. Only one that knows that song, only one who can sing that song is the 144,000. And your church, do you know that there is a song that we can all sing that the angels can't sing, and that is the song of salvation? They long to, they look, they long to look into those things. I think angels are amazed that that's God's, you know, hey, God, so how are you going to save the world? Well, I'm going to send my only son to die on the cross that whoever believed in me would have everlasting life. Yeah, but what if they don't do it? That, that's my only plan. That's it. No plan B. And those of you who have taken advantage of that, who have said, God, I believe in what you did on the cross, and you've accepted the Lord as your Savior, you are able to sing a song of salvation. And the Bible says that they literally listened to the worship of the 144,000. Here's the caboose verse. Chapter 15 and verse 7. They give the bowls of wrath, fill in the blank, to the seven angels. Chapter 15, verse 7, And one of the four living creatures gave to the seven angels seven golden bowls full of the wrath of God who lives forever and ever. Now, how many of you remember going through the book of Revelation? How many of you all remember the seven bowls of wrath? Angels each pour out those bowls, but before they get the bowls, it's given to them by one of those living creatures. Those are very unique angels of God. How many would call these special angels? Very special angels. And these four beasts are very similar to the cherubim, except they, they are... Different in their own in their own right. The Greek word for creature or beasts, another passage of scripture gives is zoa, and the plural uh, uh, is zoon, and it means living creature. It's from this word that we get our word zoo in zoology, and. God wants us to be aware, church, that we're not alone. And I want again to remind you of this, just like Elisha and his servant, when the servant couldn't see anything but the enemy, he says, Lord, open their eyes, open his eyes so that he can see. And they, he sees that there are more with him or more with them than there are with the enemy. And I want to remind you that, again, when the devil decided to rebel against God. He only got one-third of the angels. There's still more with us than there are with them. There's more power in God than there is in the devil. They are not on equal ground trying to duke it out, by the way. In fact, Jesus said, I'm giving you 
the same authority I have, you're going to crush his head. I'm giving you authority to walk all over serpents and scorpions, and boy, we're in a land of serpents and scorpions here, aren't we? God's given you, ladies, God give you authority to step on that thing, kill it, get rid of it. Now, don't let anybody send me letters, all of you snake lovers. But there is a snake in the garden of America, and it's Lucifer, and he's wanting to take us down. The Bible says that there is a way to activate the angels in church. Listen, we just need to continue to get in the presence of God. Go to the throne room. Get into your prayer closet. You see, things that aren't changing, the way you begin to change them is you get in your prayer closet. If all the people of God got in their prayer closets and begin to pray, Lord God, just let, let your conviction just come all over your church. Let it come all over our nation. Let it come all over pastors as they're preaching. Let them preach the Word of God. Don't be afraid. Listen to me. Choose faith and not fear. Faith is stronger than fear. Fear is, is faith that the bad's going to happen. Faith is the belief that the good is going to happen. Amen? Well, I hope you got something out of this. I could keep going, but it's past time, so I'm going to let you go. But listen to me. The thing I want you to understand is that there's so much at our disposal. And a lot of times it's, the Bible says it's for a lack of knowledge that my people perish. So a lot of this is educational, but good education will put rubber to the road. Amen? Amen. Let's stand to our feet today. Thank you for your attention. You've been a great group today. Bow with me as we pray. Father, today I pray that your anointing would just flow into us and through us as we go our way into this world, Lord, that needs your love, that needs your presence, that needs your power, that needs your word, that needs your wisdom, that needs your answers. And I pray, Lord, that you would give us the words to speak to those that need you. I pray, Lord, your glory would fill our room, would fill our home, would fill our, our uh, lives, would just be a canopy of, of, of your presence over us. I pray, Lord, for families that are being disintegrated by the works of the devil. I pray, Lord, you begin to build them back up. I pray, Lord, for those that are considering unfaithfulness, Lord God, that you will help them stand strong, that they, Lord God, will make the right choice. I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would give us your wisdom and your grace and your anointing today to live in power and authority against the forces of darkness. And, Lord, continue to build your house, we pray. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. And all the people in agreement, would you just say a big amen? Amen. I love you guys. Bless one another. We'll see you next Sunday. You're dismissed. Oh